Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. How does an immigrant to Canada from India who became a premier, premier of British Columbia, and subsequently became the federal minister of health assess these two issues? And we are going to talk to Ujjal Dessange, former Premier of British Columbia, former Minister of Health in the Jean Chrétien government. Uh, the Premier and I have, uh, I think we've become friends, eh? I think so. Yeah. Uh, we, we had an exchange once on healthcare, you and I. It didn't work so well. But, but, but since, since that time, uh, yeah, I, I always come to you when I need reasoned and rational views and, and, and expressions. And so I'm afraid you're stuck with me again. Well, I'm not always sure I'd, I'm reasonable or rational, but uh, um, I'm happy to oblige. Well, I told you, if you ever run again, I'll fly out to BC and campaign for you. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> there's, there's the epitaph. There's the political epitaph. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> <laughs> Premier, let me ask you about the, uh, first of all, the issue of, uh, of immigration to Canada. Now, Mr. Carland, who's in British Columbia, the, immig the immigration lawyer, just told us that the vast majority of people who are classified as permanent residents at the end of the year have been in the country for a couple of years already and are paying taxes and are part of the, uh, the overall Canadian mosaic. But when we talk about a half a million newcomers to Canada, when you have 50 to 75 percent of people saying, hey, I'm concerned about uh, that number of immigrants and what it might mean to social programs, might mean to housing, might mean to health care. What's your response to that? And what's the what's your response to something that was suggested? Uh, it's been suggested a few times. We talked about it last weekend with our callers that if you have a particular skill and you're trained in that skill, and Canada needs that skill, what about the federal government saying, "Look, we'll fast track you into Canada, but you have to go to the part of the country where those skills are required, and you have to practice those skills and live there for I don't know two years, three years, whatever the term may turn out to be." But then we hear. It violates the charter. So I've just put a lot on your plate. Well, let's, let's deal with the charter first. I mean, we've known that that violates the charter. I don't know whether uh, any legal action has ever been taken on that issue and, and, and that the issue has ever gone to the Supreme Court of Canada. Uh, because I, um, I know when I became a lawyer back in the 70s, I had to become a citizen. Um, and uh, now under the charter, um, immigrants can become lawyers. You don't have to be a citizen. So, so something has changed. But I don't know whether this particular issue has ever gone, because we have very specific requirements um, to get pensions. And, for instance, there are certain positions in government you can't apply for unless you're a Canadian citizen. Um, so we have restrictions on immigrants. Um, that obviously don't violate the charter. And I think the government really needs to figure out whether or not um, we can make, uh, um, as part of the process of immigration, a condition that people who have skills that are needed in the north or in the far corners of 
various provinces where most of the citizens don't want to go, whether as part of a contract with the government, um, they can go there. I don't think that's been ever litigated. I could be wrong, and I, I stand corrected. Does it sound reasonable to you? Do you think that uh, immigrants who have a particular desire to come to Canada and have the skills that may be required in far-flung parts of the country, or even in a in just in you know a city that they don't particularly uh, want to go to, but the 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 arrangement is the contract is go there, practice your skills. And uh, after two or three years, you're free to move wherever you wish. Hopefully by then, or I would think by then, there would be some uh, roots laid in that community. Well, it sounds eminently reasonable to me. I mean, we obviously, people want to come to this country um, because it's a better place than where they're coming from. I came for that reason via England. Um, and I, was, I would have been prepared to live with some restrictions on my movements. I was prepared to live with... Um, you know, rights um, less than a citizen uh, that I had when I was not an immigrant. So I think that that uh, it, it's not. It, 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 I mean, it, it's not discrimination to say uh, to someone you want to come to Canada, but the first three years you're going to have to live in place A and uh, and be um, uh, a doctor or be um, a surgeon or be a lawyer or be whatever, a nurse. Yeah. Because uh, you're applying to come to the country, you're not applying to go to a specific city. And if you have skills and it fast tracks you, so it provides you with the opportunity to enter the country and have status here more quickly, then that would be an option that could be considered if well, I, it's permissible. I think it right? would be unreasonable to to uh, place that uh, requirement on people who wanting to come. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, people who um, believe in fundam fundamental rights and equalities. Some of them might be upset at my suggestion, but we have all kinds of restrictions currently on what uh, immigrants can or can't do. And this would be just one more thing. Look, I mean, you coming in, um, we are we welcome you, but you're going to have to spend three years in place A, B, or C. Yeah. It, it would be an interesting national discussion. and uh... It would be, and I'm happy to take part in it. Okay. Well, let me let me work on that. Let me work on putting something together, which might create a very interesting dynamic. I have an idea. Our premier on the issue of uh, of healthcare. You were the national, the federal minister of health. We now have these thirteen jurisdictions in this country that have their own their own healthcare systems, and they're supposed to work together, and it's not working all that well. Um, our, our healthcare situation is really, really concerning. We have five million people with no family doctor. We have people literally dying in the emergency rooms. We, we've, we've seen this. Um, the news was out last week about two emergency rooms. I think it was in New Brunswick uh, where, where patients died waiting. And it's just a general sense of we're at a disadvantage here with the healthcare system. And where's the political leadership? That's another question. Should the politicians actually be leading the healthcare system? My argument is no. But how do you, as a former federal health minister, assess what's happening now? And if you could provide a recommendation to at least get the, 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 the health care moving in the correct direction, what would you say? Well, I think that, that you know, when I was a minister of health, and I think other ministers of health can, can um, vouch for it, 
one of the best ways of um, advancing the cause of healthcare is for the provinces uh, to get together and talk about best practices, uh, saving money and uh, making procedures faster and fast tracking doctors that come from abroad and, and you know, what whatever needs to be done. I mean, that's one of the things, one of the ways of getting ahead of, of the issue. And I know that uh, there are several jurisdictions and um, and uh, provinces hold their jurisdiction very dear to their hearts. And the federal government obviously holds the purse strings very dear to their heart. And, and at some point, um, there has to be a bit of a give. And I know Quebec is a special case, but leaving aside Quebec, other provinces, um, you know, can have, we don't even have a national formulary where, where uh, we um, uh, pool our resources and decide what medications, what medicines ought to be available across the country. Each province does their own thing. Um, and that's long overdue. That saves money. And if you have a national formulary, a national pharmacare program, if you lose some control over the cost drivers as provinces and hand those over to the federal government to a certain extent, they might be willing to actually buy in bulk. And if you buy those medicines in bulk, you save money. Yeah. Um, and so, and if you, if you have one college of physicians and surgeons across the country, rather than have, you know, 12 or 13 colleges of, of physicians and surgeons, uh, the, the process of uh, credentialing new doctors might be easier, streamlined. It's all about jurisdiction sometimes. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.